All right, so the weekly is back. We are officially back. I just finished up a boot daddy from Andy's uh, custard shop on White Hampton. Josh, what is your um, your like post nine p.m. summertime <laughs> kind of junk food when you're when you're not fit, trim, and dapper like you are right now? <laughs> well, that, that that's gone out the window the past month. Um, Oreos and milk, man. That's my yeah? biggest weakness in the whole world. I try to keep them out of the house. Yeah, just put, throw back some Oreos and milk. Yeah, that would be it. Double stuff. Mm. Do you ever like disassemble them and then? Um, I no, I put an entire one in my mouth and then put some milk in behind it and chase it down. That's pretty much how I've consumed nice. my Oreos since I was in college. I wasn't sure if you did like the Voltron, like bringing them together and did like an ultimate order. <laughs> I have not. I have not done that, but I'm encouraged to try it. Yeah, so. there you go. Yeah, so we thought we, we we thought it'd be helpful to take up uh, issues related to the way that our church has gone about just thinking through the coronavirus. Um, and goodness gracious, man, this has been such a this has been such a hot uh, issue on social media. The different sort of um, takes on the proper responses to coronavirus, the right. different things churches and other organizations ought to be doing, and it's it's incredibly contentious and divisive. And there's so much that gosh, so much that we don't know. But we thought it would, it would be at least a little bit helpful to maybe pull back the curtain on just how we've talked about it, how we've tried to think about it, and how we've gone about both processing it as like individuals and as families and as an elder team. So um, j- just to kick it off, like what, when, when the news really started to break, um, I guess it was early March as we started to see the, the cases begin to trickle in. Right. Um, what, what was that like for you? And then what were the last, what have the last few months and weeks been like for you? It's a great question. Um, so interestingly, uh, well before March, I mean, my goodness, probably probably back in December, um, I started seeing headlines about this this new virus that was emerging in China, specifically in Wuhan. And then, then uh, I teach in North Greenville, and uh, one of my criminal justice courses focused on terrorism this semester. And so we actually sort of tracked the spread of the coronavirus uh, across the world, um, beginning, honestly, in, in January, leading up to when North Greenville ended up moving our classes online about the middle of March. Um, and during that time, as I was tracking it, um, uh, you know, we talked about, uh, not to go too much into detail here, but we talked a lot in my classes about um, the relationship between, you know, government responses, like China responded by completely locking down, you know, entire cities. And we don't mean lockdowns in the Greer sense where Lowe's and Home Depot are still 100% crowded all the way through the, the right. COVID, COVID outbreak. Um, but locking people literally in their homes, like yeah. in, in some cases, welding their doors shut. Yeah. Um, so we, in my terrorism class, we talked about, does the government have the right to do that? Like in, in, a, in our uh, sense of government in the United States, could that happen here? And so I've been following, all that to say, I've been following a lot uh, well before the cases really started to, to kind of tick up here. Um, and honestly, uh, very early on, I mean, I was, I was really concerned. Um, I think we, we kind of talked about that at one of our elder days a little bit. Um, Gosh, it, it had to have been so, like January. I, I remember Josh saying something like we, we really need to be keeping an eye on what develops with coronavirus and uh you, i think you might have even said jokingly that we, we might not be able to gather because of this yeah. uh, at one point yeah just that that was my concern i mean I, just because of or no, every, I, no I think you said it seriously and we took yeah. it jokingly i think it was <laughs> if i'm if i'm that's because i'm correctly. more of a conspiracy theorist i guess and others and, um yeah, I mean, but here we are, here we sit today in July, you know, as to March, I mean, you know, you asked like how it affected our family. I mean, in some ways it didn't affect our family all that much because we homeschool our three girls and, and we frankly don't get out that much anyway. 
Um, but uh, there was definitely, especially early on, um, a, a great amount of anxiety. Um, I, 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 re- I ended up writing an article um, on a lot of that, uh, I guess, about back sometime in May. And one of the things I recounted in there was how, you know, early on, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, quarantining Amazon packages in our garage because, I mean, we were genuinely concerned. And, and, and so when I say we were genuinely concerned, that, that's not meant to say that uh, the virus is not real or that it doesn't affect people. We, we certainly believe that it does. But over the course of time, as we've sort of seen things unfold, um, I, one thing is, is for certain, it is not uh, what it was uh, thought to be, at Thankfully. least very early on yeah. in Wuhan. And we're all extremely thankful for that. If it had been, then that would have been, um, uh, who knows what type of conversation we would be having yeah. right now. And um, so... Uh, yeah, so you know, Charlotte and I and our girls. I mean, for for us personally, um, I guess life is maybe back to normal as much as it, it as it could be at this point. Um, you know, the fear that was there for for me and for us in the beginning is not as much there anymore. We still want to to love our neighbors and we still want to um, care well for those around us. And and in that sense, as elders, we want to shepherd the church well through this because we do understand that some people are or more concerned than others and have reason to be if you're immunocompromised or have pre-existing conditions and so on and so forth. But all that to say, um, it, it's been a journey, I'd say, over the past three or four months. And, uh, you know, we're thankful for the Lord's brought us. The Lord has personally taught me a lot about um, my fear of mm. sickness. That mm. has been brought to the fore, mm. honestly. Um, and uh, um, my fear of sickness in the past of, you know, keeping our girls home from, you know, from everywhere, church included at times during during flu seasons um, for a couple weeks when it was spreading around because we didn't want our girls to get sick. Um, a lot more I could go into there. We, we, uh, we had a, a very close uh, family friend whose little girl passed away of a, of a sickness early on. And so we kind of come by that honestly, like that shaped our yeah. experiences. That's, and that stuff just has um, a way of sticking with you, man. It, it does. It does. I mean, I, I remember like it was, I mean, the images burned into my mind of uh, my friend's, you know, phone number popping up on my cell phone and then it being his neighbor on the other end of the line on a Sunday morning. And, uh, he just told me I needed to come over. And at that moment I knew that my friend's little, little girl had, uh, Mm. um, had passed away. Um, but since that time, I mean, I've just admittedly, I've, I've lived in fear Mm. of sickness and lived in fear of death. And amazingly through something that I thought that I would be, um, continually fearful of, you know, for, for the next, you know, six to 18 months, um, God has, again, not, not brought me to the point to where we're trying to throw caution to the wind, but sort of helped me to understand that while it is good and wise and right to take precautions for sickness or for anything else, I can't be ruled by that fear. Mm. And if I allow myself to be ruled by that fear, um, then ultimately I'm not going to be able to love my family well, my friends well, our church well, my students well. Um, so that's one thing uh, that the Lord has, has done in my heart. And I've been, if, if there's one reason I'm thankful for COVID, that would be it for the yeah. work the Lord's done in my heart mm. in that regard. What yeah. about you, Jeff? Praise the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I had a night, it was pretty early on. Um, I don't, you know, I guess, I, I guess I do remember that we had at this point, um, press pause in our gatherings. Um, and I don't know, it just felt like a, like a tidal wave kind of hit me. And I remember yeah. I was probably up till 2 a.m. just thinking. And I've recorded multiple 
episodes of the weekly and deleted them. Just, just trying to like yeah. kind of process this and try yeah. to like process for the just for the church family and um, uh, yeah, just being really really burdened by it. Uh, sure. Burden is the, is the best word to think of uh, yeah. there. Uh, and and being freaked out for my family, you know, like right. there's again so much uncertainty, and there was there was I remember early on talks of a really kind of like draconian kind of Correct. lockdown that Correct. was you know potentially in the cards. I remember, yep. um, and then in some places, even in the United States, it's a lot more in the cards than it has been here. Thankfully, yeah. we haven't yeah, experienced that's right. That. Um, well, and I remember like trying to like figure out how much food we're going to need Correct. over the course of two weeks, and you know, exactly I'm going to have right. to go, you know, get what I can at Aldi and. Yep. Um, that sort of thing, and uh, kind of having that initial, I guess, surge of, of maybe even a little panic. Yes. Um, yep. And uh, for sure, like you said, the Lord has been really gracious. I mean, it, we were super productive. <laughs> the time we spent at home, we were super productive on the house. Man, built a treehouse, yeah. installed new attic doors, totally right. did all of our uh, landscaping. We put in some, uh, put in some French doors in our house. Did, did all sorts of stuff. So a lot of neglected. Yeah, house projects we were able right. to take advantage of, and right. and so that was kind of a grace. And um, I, I think there's probably some of that fear there for me too, like what you were describing, just kind of almost kind of a realization that I cannot control what yes. happens to me or my family. Yes, and so there's I can either resent that or I can let that sort of drive me into Correct. a kind of hope in God's providence. Correct. Um, I mean, it was something similar to what we experienced with Nate. Um, right. It was uh, there's kind of an initial. For those who are listening who don't know, we my, two years ago, actually, um, on July 13th, it'll be two years, mm-hmm. my son, my middle son, had an a open-heart procedure yep. um, to fix what was a, a, a pretty serious issue that would have had some long-term effects had they not um, intervened. And um, there, there was kind of, a, like kind of a sickening surge of dread kind of Absolutely. at the beginning, just realizing there's something wrong with my kid, yep. and I can't do a thing about it. Yep. Um, that was then kind of met in like the days that followed with mm-hmm. like new mercies, like newly minted, hot off the press mercies right. that are promised in Lamentations 3. Right. Um, and kind of a strength to like, this is the shape of our life right now. Amen. And God, God's going to, God will care for us in this. Amen. Um, kind of felt some of that beginning to happen. We'll kind of do that again for our Correct. family. And we haven't, it, ha- it hasn't always been, haven't always responded really well mm-hmm. um, over these past four months. I mean, I, I think I'd be lying if I said I didn't struggle. Sure. 100%. Um, I struggle with the distance. I mean, I, I love people yeah. um, even more than I thought I did. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I got Zoom fatigued pretty early. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to Zoom record this, and you were like, nope. Can't, can't, can't do it. Got to gotta be, gotta be in person. Yeah. So, no, I, no so. I, you were right, though. It's, um, so. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we, I mean, we can kind of all of the emotions that you can feel about this, I think we've probably we felt. both felt. Yeah. Um, so, one question that we did want to answer is, is uh, how it is that we've gone about making decisions right. for the church. Um, and I, what I wish we could say is that we had this like algorithm, <laughs> um, you know, that we punched all the data in and right. kind of produced this perfect, flawless, um, you know, uncontestable Absolutely. answer. Done it perfectly. Yeah, but yeah. unfortunately that algorithm has not, uh, uh, Aaron has not yet developed it for he us. He is not. He is not. So how are, how have we gone about making decisions here for the church? Yeah, so, uh, you know, we, we've tried to take into account multiple factors and, and honestly just multiple sources of information um, very early on. Um, again, it, it, in some ways, you know, we may have been thinking about this a little bit more, at least maybe a couple of days earlier than other churches, because I, I think in the beginning we were one of the first churches to kind of call off 
call off Sunday Sunday gathering yeah. that was right after March Madness had been called off and like the whole yeah. world was was just crashing down. Um, and so you know at that time, I mean, we were wanting to uh, give deference to those in authority, health authorities in particular, who were speaking of the, the genuine threat that this virus posed. And uh, I'm sure that most in our body, if not everybody, is familiar with the, the phrase "flatten the curve." Um, the desire to uh, you know, that while we can't completely stop the spread of the virus, the idea was to slow the spread of the virus so that hospital systems and, and other facilities like that would not be overrun. And then, then as a, a body of Christ and a local manifestation of that body, not only did we want to hopefully care for our members well, but we also wanted to, you know, I, I guess for lack of a better way of saying it, do our part to, um, to hopefully slow that spread for the sake of the community, for the sake of doctors, nurses, and other, others like that. Um, so, so first, you know, I mean, we, we've definitely tried to consider as much as we possibly could, uh, you know, the recommendations of health authorities. Uh, in addition to that, you know, I mean, I think all of us have some some friends uh, yeah. uh, who are who are physicians or who have um, just a lot more knowledge through that. I've got some colleagues at North Greenville who um, who teach science and other things, and they have you know in that like this is more their thing even than, than this is. You know, we've done a lot of our own research. We've we've also uh, sought to speak um, with pastors by the churches in the area to see yep. what they're doing, just to kind of share information, how we can best care for the body. And, um, and let me inter- interrupt. Please. Real quick. I mean, yep. one of the things that we learned is, and I, I was talking with um, a friend today, a, a pastor at a church here in town about this. Um, every church is different. That's and every right. church, like when it comes to talking with other churches, you know, it, it has been really helpful to just hear how other pastors are Correct. processing this. And it's honestly, frankly, been helpful to hear how clueless mm-hmm. all, every other pastor is on this Correct. too. Yeah. Um, but I mean, they just they just have different needs. Uh, every church is different, Correct. and uh, you know they're on the hook for their church. We're on the hook for this Absolutely. church, TCGS. Absolutely. And um, I mean, everything from like we don't have a building that 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 Correct. hasn't become, you know uh, a piece of the decision that we've had to Correct. think through. Sanitizing a building, thankfully. And, Correct. Um, and we are you know, a younger church mm-hmm. uh, for the most part, um, and so we're going to think differently about these issues than someone who has a mm-hmm. you know a predominantly you know, maybe elderly congregation would right. think about this issue. Um, but yeah, I mean, every church is different, and we're yeah. just, we're just we, we just need to have a, a lot of freedom there. Sure. And, uh, and just, it, it's honestly kind of been hard for me too, and it's been helpful for me to remember that. Aaron and I talked about this, just the comparison game. Mm-hmm. Just you, you, you want to compare what we're doing with what other churches uh, around town seem to be doing Correct. A, lot, a lot better right. than yeah. we are. Um <laughs> The you know yeah. the quality the online production and right. you know there, there there is some pressure you kind of mm-hmm. feel from that, um, uh, but you know every, every church is different every church is right. on the hook for that particular church. I'm sorry to interrupt. So no no you're good. I mean that, that actually leads into the other part of what we've been trying to consider. I think is that I mean we certainly want to again pay attention to health authorities and and, and that sort of thing. But but uh, as pastors, um, one thing we have to remember is that that God has entrusted us and, and the church you know has affirmed you know the, the, that trust. God has charged us with shepherding this body. Mm. And that does mean, in one sense, you know, helping to protect them physically in the mm. midst of, you know, um, uh, a viral epidemic and that sort of thing. But, but I would say even more than that, like we are, we are charged with caring for people's souls. And so in addition to taking into account the advice of health authorities and, and others like that and other information like that, uh, frankly, at this point, we, we, this entire time, we've been trying to juggle how do we best shepherd the body, knowing that um, there is there is obviously a risk of sickness, but there are genuine risks and potentially long-term, very harmful 
effects of being away from the body for mm. a long period of time. Um, I mean, the Lord's been very gracious to us in the day in which we live that we were able to produce living room liturgies, that we do have things like Zoom or Jitsi uh, that we've been able to do uh, small group uh, in our community groups. But being away from the body of Christ and then, and then frankly, even you know, being still somewhat distant as a part of the body of Christ, even when we can gather together, um, that does have a lot of uh, effects, maybe even effects that we don't fully realize at this point on our spiritual condition, our emotional well-being, our psychological well-being. And so we're trying to weigh all of these yeah. things um, as we seek to make decisions for best to, how to best care for the church. So. Yeah, I mean, re- really early on, we, we started talking about, you know, at some point, the risk of not being together is going to outweigh the risk of being That's together. That's correct. And That's correct. I, I, don't, I don't know if we're there yet, yeah. but, I mean, it, we certainly felt the need yes, when we decided to start gathering again yes, uh, out of the line at res to be together. That's right. Um, and, I mean, I felt it in, in my heart. Absolutely. The need to be together. Um, I, had, so, I had multiple people come up to me and, and comment on that, that it was just an overwhelming mm. flood of relief mm. just to be in the presence of, of the local church. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, and, and when you think about, when you think about decision-making and, and particularly just kind of a principle of leadership is that there's there's just no such thing as solutions. That's right. Um, yeah. No perfect solutions, only... Trade-offs. Yeah, only trade-offs. That's yeah. right. That's right. Um, and so it's, uh, <laughs> I've kind of said it jokingly, uh, it's like, what's... What sucks the least for right. the, for the most, which right. is was kind of a utilitarian way yeah. to think about it, but uh, there aren't solutions to this. Right. There's trade-offs. There's like right. any any sort of approach that we take to this. There's going to be some kind of negative unintended consequence. Correct. Um, yeah. Go ahead. I was just gonna say one other thing, you know, and taking into account the uniqueness of each individual body of believers. I mean, that, that, this is one of the reasons why we have sought to send out a couple surveys um, to see where everybody in our body is. This is also why we've tried to have as many one-on-one conversations as we could or talked about this even you know, with, with a couple people at a time because we're wanting to tailor as best we can our ability to shepherd well this body uh, by knowing this body and yeah. knowing personally where, right. where, where, where people are at. And we know that people are still, you know, whether today, three months ago, or three months from now, um, I guess into September, October, people are going to have very different feelings as to comfortability, as yeah. as to meeting, and so on. But, but we've our, sought I mean, to be our, responsive as we could to the body in that. So and, oh, I'm sorry, Tinner. I was just no, going to go say, our, I mean, that's our elder team. Has, yeah, like we're, sure. we're sort of all over the place on this. Sure. Um, feel very differently about it, and and want to, yeah, and, and want to try and figure out and do what's best for the body. Yeah. Um, so with that, I mean, that, that, that's the way that we've sort of processed our, our decision-making and, and why we decided to begin kind of incrementally start gathering again with our outdoor gatherings is, is you know, we, we recognize that there, there is some risk to that, but the, the risk of prolonging a, a um, time apart outweighed the risk of coming together Correct. outdoors in, in our mind. Um, what exhortations would we give to the church just as we've... Um, what would you say to the body as we've kind of observed things these last few weeks and months? That's a really good question. Um, I think uh, one of the biggest things uh, that, well, I guess maybe the first thing that we should and continue to do is to be in the Word. Um, mm. You know, one of the things, Trevor, I think you mentioned both in, in our elder meetings as well as uh, to the church is that we do need to, to watch our media intake. And, and in that, we, we don't mean be uninformed. We simply mean 
Uh, we should not substitute, whether it's blogs or articles or news or whatever it might be, social media, uh, for the Word. And mm. I know that I personally have a temptation to do that. I think we all do. Yep. Uh, but we, we have to prioritize the reading of Scripture faithfully every day. Again, I fail at it. And I choose not to do it. I mean, that, that's my sinful choice at times when I choose not to read the Word. Uh, but I think we need to remember that. That would be maybe a first and primary exhortation. Yeah, well, to, to kind of to that point, um, a guy named Brett McCracken, he writes, he's written a couple of books and he writes really frequently for the Gospel Coalition. He, several years ago, I saw this and just thought it was super helpful. He, he calls it the Wisdom Pyramid. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll post a link to this. Um, yeah. I think it's from like 2016 or 17. But yeah. um, if you can picture a pyramid, so at the the very base, he says like the, when it comes to being wise people, kind of understand becoming wise people is the goal. Um, at the base of this wisdom pyramid, the thing that forms us into wisdom is first right. the Bible, our Correct. daily bread. Correct. And then kind of next tier up from that is church, both local church and then the way that the church has historically thought on you know, such and such issue. Then up from that, he, he has the natural world and beauty. Then up from that, he has books, hmm. like actual literal yeah, physical real books. Right. books. Right. Then up from that, he has the internet. And of mm-hmm. course, this is a pyramid. So these things are, increase, are sure. decreasing in size Correct. and therefore kind of importance. Um, and then above internet, he has just a Twitter a Twitter icon, um, wow. which yeah. I take to mean social media. So That's right. yeah. he says, you know, the, the wisdom pyramid is like mm-hmm. the bedrock thing that should yeah. be forming us and right. forming our hearts and minds is the Bible. Um, and then there's sort of a, a, a gradation of things sure. up from that point with sure. social media being the, uh, the last thing on that list. And that's challenging for me because I have yeah. a, I have a tendency to want to, I want to, I want to be where the action is. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Um, Absolutely. And I kind of have this sick, I told you I've read this mm-hmm. phrase earlier today, doom scrolling. Yeah. I have this kind yeah. of sick addiction to doom scrolling, yes. just kind of scrolling through yep. news and social media and stuff and just Ugh, 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 I can't believe this. Ugh. Yeah. I find it weirdly addicting. It is. Um, so reject doom scrolling. It's it's interesting that he uses the pyramid and the food pyramid. It's, it's almost like we have a, we <laughs> we should have a I guess what would probably be a more God glorifying diet in in the sense that you're describing from McCracken, and we have a very Amer or we I can tend to have a very Americanized version of the diet where I'm eating processed foods and, yeah. and sugar and all these things which. Mm. Are out of proportion to what would actually be probably. Mm. Leading I could to go for some French fries right now. Though, there, there you you've already had your ice cream, so it's probably good. Um, yeah, that's really helpful. Um, yeah, and, and we've talked about this. I mean, you almost wonder if uh, the reason that a lot of the social media kind of vitriol has mm. really seemed to be ratcheted up in these recent days is our time apart has kind of oh forced us yes. to yes. just kind of see each other as yes. avatars, kind of across these social media platforms. Yep. Um, like avatars to disdain and not not people, mm-hmm. you know? Sure. Um, Alan Jacobs in his book, How to Think, yeah. he talks about the uh, the RCO, the repugnant cultural other. Yes. Um, that we kind of develop this kind of avatar in our mind as this is the RCO, the repugnant cultural other. If you're on right. the left, you have one way of describing it. If you're on the right, right you have one way of describing that. Um, and if, if people have kind of, because of our distance, have... Mm-hmm. in our time online that we've kind of been forced into if Correct. if we've kind of created this mess with yes. our online interactions. I, I think that's absolutely true. And I mean, the, the danger of social media in that regard has always been there. You know, it's always been a danger to 
you know, it's 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 a lot easier to make snarky comments to someone online than it is to their face. And but honestly, if we could sit down and have a conversation, I think a lot of people will realize they have a lot more in common than than they they may have their first thought just mm-hmm. by online comments. But Trevor, to your point, like how COVID has probably contributed to that, and how lockdowns and social distancing, I think there is a lot, and and I I can't probably understate this, but just a tremendous amount of misunderstanding. And uh, honestly, even just kind of perceiving the worst in other that mm. has been um, just, it's been exacerbated by, by the fact that a lot of our interactions have been online and have been distanced, yeah. um, which from a pastoral perspective, that's another one of our thoughts on, you know, as far as possible and as quickly as possible for us to be able to gather back together as a body in person is probably just better for our health and not just spiritual yeah. health, but emotional health. Yeah. And, and I would say even physical health. Yeah. Um, the disdain and the vitriol and, and the anger that a lot of people are harboring as we continue to kind of sit in our different social media bubbles, um, it's, it's incredibly damaging, mm. not just to us as individuals, but I would say to, to kind of our societal fabric as a yeah. whole right now. Gosh. Um, yeah, so no maybe, there, maybe there's another exhortation there just to, um, you know, we should, we should seek to be. I mean, you, you mentioned this a while back in a, in a short video you did, um, being quick to listen yeah. slow to speak and slow to become angry i think that's especially important um in our time where a lot of our time is spent online so yeah yeah just assuming the best of one another right man it's that's like right. a superpower right. um and so with that i mean I, I think one of our exhortations would be when it comes to the issue of mask wearing um yeah mask wearing just, social distancing other things of that nature. yeah yeah it, just try not to moralize it mm-hmm. um yeah, like um Assume the best of if if someone has made a principled stance on this one way or the other, assume the best mm-hmm. about that stance. Yeah. If they're if they're if they're not wearing it, if they're wearing it, you know whatever it is. Right. Um, try not to moralize mask wearing. Right. I think what you're saying there. Um, there's a quote from and I had no idea who this guy was until about a week ago when I started doing some research into this. But there's a quote by a guy named Rupertus Meldinius. He's a German theologian from the 17th century, and he says this. And some some people may have heard this statement. But he says, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, mm. in all things, charity. Mm. Um, and just to kind of break that down really briefly, what he's meaning by essentials, and, and maybe we can link to a couple articles um, in, within the podcast as well. Albert Moeller wrote a really helpful article on what he calls theological triage. Mm. And what he talks about there and about essentials, unity, non-essentials, liberty is, is for example, this. Um, essentials would be things that are so central to the Christian faith that we biblically defined are not Christians if we choose not to believe those things. For example, if I deny the resurrection of Jesus, I fall outside of any form of Orthodox Christianity, regardless of denomination, for the past 2,000 years of church history. If I deny the resurrection, I do that. If I deny the Trinity, the, the, the Trinity is another essential thing that we must be unified on as Christians. But then there are non-essential things. For example, baptism. You know, we as the Church of Greer Station are a Baptist church and we believe in baptism by immersion and that believers baptism by immersion as opposed to other denominations, Presbyterians, for example, who would treat baptism somewhat differently than we as Baptists do. Mm. Um, those are non-essentials, very important, and they're certainly distinctives, but they're non-essentials because a belief on baptism is not essential to one's salvation. Does, yeah. does that make sense? Yeah, that's good. Um, 
And so that might be, we could also call those like first tier, second tier issues. And then even beyond that, there are things that we might call third tier or tertiary issues. These might be things that might have a grounding in, in scripture. Sometimes maybe not. These are more issues of conscience oftentimes. Like yeah. Paul in, in Romans 14 talks about, you know, some people believe that they can eat, you know, food sacrifice titles. Some don't. Some people esteem one day as more important than another. Some people esteem all days alike. And then Paul's exhortation is to let each person be convinced uh, in, his, in his own mind. Um, here's how I think this relates to COVID. And, and you mentioned mask wearing, because that's something you and I were talking about immediately before we started recording this podcast, because this has been perhaps more than any other, just, just a really hot button issue yeah. with an evangelical Christianity over the past three, four weeks. Um, and the reason for that, and it's interesting you mentioned Brett McCracken earlier, because he actually recently wrote an article on masks. Um, it's a very thoughtful article. Um, but one of his major contentions in that article is that, that Christians should uh, wear masks out of love for neighbor. Um, how does this relate to essentials? Well, what I would say is that as believers, as followers of Christ, we should all be, well, number one, seeking to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's an essential thing, right? Loving our neighbor as ourself is also an essential. Like that is black and white, mm. clear in Scripture that we are called to love our neighbor. But as that relates to masks or even social distancing or other, other people's beliefs on COVID, we should all be motivated, motivated by love of neighbor but that may lead to different conclusions yeah, as to good. what the most loving thing to do is. Yeah. Um, and we don't want to get too much into technicalities there. We're not here taking a stance on masks as elders at the Church of Greer Station. The Church of Greer Station does not have a, a standard or a position, if you will, on whether masks are good, bad, or whatever. We just simply would say this. Um, we should seek to be charitable towards our neighbors, whether it comes to masks, social distancing, whatever other convictions that we may have on COVID. Um, and by being charitable, that also means assuming the best in one another. That if I choose to wear a mask, I should not you know, look down on you because you're not wearing a mask. Yep. And if you choose not to wear a mask, you should not look down upon me because I would choose to wear a mask. Does that yep. make sense? Yep. Because the, while the underlying motivation of loving neighbor is clearly there and is good and God-honoring. Um, the premises on which that is based and then the outworking of how we love our neighbor is probably going to differ from person to person. Yeah. Um, sorry for the long-windedness there. No, that's that's really helpful, and I, I think that's ex exactly right. Um, yeah, the, the, the outworking of obedience to Jesus' command can be... Correct. can be different from person to person and we, we need to have space for that. Correct. We need to be okay with that. Correct. And we need to have um, charity towards people who disagree with us on that. Correct. Um, Just one thing to mention there really quickly. It reminds me a little bit of 2016 when you had people who were supporting Trump, Christians supporting Trump on one side yep. and then people who were never Trumpers on the other side. Yep. And we had lots of conversations about that back then and, and even people in our body you know, had different opinions on that. Um, but at the end of the day, um, every single person we had conversations with within our body, regardless what their ultimate decision was as far as voting for Trump or not voting for Trump, their ultimate goal was neighbor love. Like, how do we yeah. best love our neighbor? How do we best love the society in which we live? And we need, like you said, to have space to understand that the people are going to arrive at different conclusions on how to best love our neighbor. Um, that makes sense. Yeah, that's, I think that's exactly right. Um, and it's important to say, I mean, there is... I'm not accusing anyone of this necessarily, but what I am saying is that we need to at least uh, be willing to evaluate our heart on this. Right. You know, Jesus does say, 
um, don't practice your righteousness on the street corners. Hmm. Yeah. Um, or the applause you'll get from the crowds, that's your reward for that righteous act. There is a kind of practicing righteousness on the street corners flavor that this right. has taken. Right, that's um, true. Kind of flaunting your mm -hmm. um, benevolence by right. being willing to wear a mask. And I'm not accusing a soul of doing sure. that, but that is a danger that's out there. Sure. Uh, and I think the inverse is true as well. You, you right. kind of demonstrate your kind of fortitude and strength yeah, of character. How courageous courage. you are. <laughs> yeah, by, courageous yeah. you are by, that's right. by not yeah. wearing it. So, um, you know, if... Be super critical of your motives and incredibly generous with their motives. That's very well said. Um, when it comes well to this said. issue. Yep. Um, you, know, you know Ken Sandy wrote a book called The Peacemaker? Yeah. He has a really helpful article. Maybe we can link it here too on on judging others and that sort of thing. It's been really helpful and convicting to me. And maybe we could pass that along. Yeah, so I think our exhortation there would be to act your conscience um, and, and try try not to moralize some of the issues related to this act your conscience. Mm -hmm. do, it, do what you think is best. Right. Um, and be super charitable with yep. others Absolutely. with whom you disagree. Absolutely. Um, and, I mean, we're, on some of these issues, frankly, I mean, we're, we're just in different places as a pastor team, too. On sure. this. So, you know, we've, we've kind of had to learn this in real time and figure this out together mm -hmm. and figure out how to make these decisions together. Sure. Um, and I guess the last thing that we'd say is, and, and speaking specifically to brothers and sisters who are feeling particularly weighted and burdened with anxiety mm -hmm. um, over this, I mean, I'd say uh, I'll share from First Peter and then turn over to you, Josh. I First Peter five seven has been like a balm for my soul, man. The, mm -hmm. Peter's words are just incredibly pastoral there uh, when mm -hmm. he says, "Cast your anxieties on the Lord, for He cares for you." Mm -hmm. um, hmm. That's just a. That's not. He, he's not just saying stop being anxious. He's saying like take your anxiety. Take it to the Lord. Correct. Let like process that anxiety with the Lord, um, because He cares for you, mm -hmm. because He's a good Father, mm -hmm. um, and because He wants to shape you and remake you mm -hmm. through this. Mm -hmm. um, and so that I think that would be uh, maybe my encouragement to someone who's feeling particularly sort of Amen. unsettled during this. Would you? What would you say to that? Um, I would add to that Philippians four. Um, you know, uh, Philippians four four. I'm just reading it because I don't have it completely committed to memory by any means. Um, but Philippians 4 4, rejoice in the Lord always, Paul says. Again, I will say rejoice. And uh, one of the things that always just strikes me when he says that is he's he's sitting in prison when he's when he's mm. writing that. Mm. Um, and for those of us who are are really wrestling with uh, a lot of the a lot of the hardships we've gone through, you know, whether it's lost jobs, reduced hours, reduced pay, all these other things, like, you know, one exhortation is is rejoice in the Lord always. Uh, and he says again <laughs> Rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. And then in verse 6, he says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And, and, he says, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I, I think that, again, mercifully, mercifully to me, and this is one of the things I mentioned at the beginning of our recording tonight, um, is that God is has given me, in some senses, a peace that passes understanding concerning COVID or concerning mm. other illnesses right mm. now. That's not to say I won't struggle in the future with fear. I'm sure if you know, two years from now, one of my little girls gets the flu or something like that, and then that uh, you know that's going to be concerning to me. But I need to continue to go back to the Word and to understand. And this this is going to be a distinction 
that hopefully non-believers will see this difference in us, that even in the midst of an epidemic, even in the midst of when it feels like the world around us is crashing down, um, the Lord offers us, you know, a peace that passes understanding. And that's exactly what it means. Like, I don't understand, I can't explain to you right now how and why God did what he did in my heart, I guess maybe two months ago, when it was almost just like this change Mm. in my perspective on these things. And... I have an overwhelming sense of peace right now. Again, that's not to say I will never worry or fear, but it is to say that that's a distinctive uh, reality that is offered to Christians that, that I pray that, that uh, as we seek to lead our church and as, as we seek to, to pray for our church, um, that God would give that to others in, in, in the hope that uh, people might see the hope that we have in Christ, if that makes sense. That's good, man. That's so good. And a really great note to end on. Praise the Lord. Um, yeah, so if you're listening, we, we hope this is helpful to you, um, maybe enlightening um, as to how we've, we've sort of thought about this. And, you know, we're, we're by no means experts um, on any of these issues. We just wanted to sort of think biblically um, and think wisely about just navigating in these incredibly difficult, contentious times. Yep. Um, so any questions that you have, please send them to us. We hope this is encouraging to you. Yeah, Josh, thanks, uh, thanks for hopping on, man. Yeah, it's a pleasure for your time. Thanks for having me, Trev. Appreciate it. Uh, next time I'll have some Oreos and milk for you. Uh, you don't need to do that. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Yeah, thanks.